Uh, my name is David, and I'm a part of a church plant right now. Uh, church planting and COVID is probably one of the single hardest things to do, so don't do it. Uh, hopefully COVID doesn't come around again, but um, through that, God has taught me so much, and God has uh, downloaded a lot into my heart, and um, many hard lessons and painful lessons, but I just feel so thankful to be here in this room tonight. Um, this is the first time worshiping like with this many people, it's not even a lot of people in the room, but it's um, such a gift to be able to worship like this. Like um, worshiping next to a friend like that. And we were like, like synchronized with the way that we were swaying back and forth. And I was just like, I missed that so much. And I realized that like that's the difference between, I know that there's, there's people watching at home, but there's just such a sweet presence of being able to be in the room. So thank you so much for hosting this. Thank you so much for having this and I'm just excited to just share what I feel like God has placed in my heart for your guys' ministry, your guys' church. And um, I know things haven't been easy this past season when it comes to walking with God. I know, in fact, it's probably been one of the most difficult seasons for some of you guys in your walks with God. And I just want to speak to that. I just want to um, lay it out and just uh, have us have some time where we can really just give ourselves to the Lord tonight. Um, I'm actually looking most forward to prayer and just responding to God's word. I have this very simple message that I want to preach out of today. Uh, I'm like laughing to myself because I keep looking at the title of my message, God Knows Where You're At. And I keep thinking that like, I wonder if people are thinking that it's like a God sees everything that you do. And like, it's kind of like a condemning message. It's not supposed to be like that. This message is saying God knows where you're currently at, meaning where your heart's at. God knows how you're feeling. God knows what you're going through. God knows your struggles, your suffering, the pain that you're going through. God knows all of that. And that's what I mean by God knows where you're at. It doesn't mean that he knows when you go to the bathroom or when he knows that you're like, you know, doing all these small things. It's not about that. It's more about God knows where your heart's at. So um, I'm going to be actually digging out of the book of Job today. I know it's not like a yeah, it's not the most, like, I don't see a lot of people preaching on it. But um, just before we go get to the passage, I want to just kind of open it up. Um, this past season of COVID, if it, does, if it has done anything, it has really revealed what is in our hearts. You know? Amen? Right? It's really revealed what's inside of us in the sense that we didn't in anticipate or expect that it would be like this. That we probably, in the beginning stages of COVID, it was like, um, I didn't realize how quickly my heart would get shifted and changed based on my circumstances. And I used to, I used to think in my theology and even in my heart, I used to believe that God, um, I believe in an unshakable God, so therefore I can't be shakable. God, I believe in your foundation. I believe that if I build my house on you, when the storms come, when the winds come, when the waves come, I won't fall down. But COVID made me realize how much my heart is tied to my circumstances. Things at church would be going well. We would get momentum. And we're a church plant, so we're like, every momentum is good momentum. So we're having some momentum, and then more spikes would happen in our church, or more spikes would happen in COVID. So we would have to pull back on things that we felt like God was 
telling us and asking us to do. And I felt so discouraged and so down about that. And even just in my personal life, there were dreams, visions, ideas that I thought I was going to be at. And this past year, March to March, has been such a difficult year. I just for myself personally, there's some people who are thriving and having a great year. But I know that it's been difficult primarily for those people who are trying to walk with God. It doesn't, the things that you used to do, they don't work anymore. The things that you used to do to get yourself back in order, they don't work anymore. And, you know, I'm realizing how far people can feel from God at times. And this is the idea too, is that, um, is that when I was a youth pastor, I used to say this to my youth kids all the time. And I used to say this in a condemning way. Like I, used, I wanted to discourage, not discourage them, but I wanted to like wake them up. I used to say, when you feel far away from God, who moved? And I used to say that all the time. When you feel far away from God, who moved? And I used to say that it's you who moved. And like I say that to like make them feel bad so that they would want to like get close to God again. And then this past like season, these past couple of months, I've been actually feeling really grieved that I said that to my youth kids because I realized that when you're discouraged and when you're going through a hard time, um, you need to know that God draws near to the brokenhearted. You need to know that God draws near to those who are weak, to those who are hurting, to those that need like a savior, God draws near to those people. And that's exactly what I want to kind of share about today. That's what I'm asking for. When I think about, um, when I think about, because the, the Moksaim asked me to preach about revival. When I think about revival in this context right now, the word that I got for this ministry, for this church, is actually the word resiliency. And I feel like resiliency, meaning that like when you have perseverance through suffering, perseverance through hard times, the breakthrough is waiting on the other side of that. I believe that there's breakthrough waiting for those who don't give up, those who don't quit on what God is doing, that yes, it's hard in the meantime, but God is doing something. Surely he's doing something. And that's why I'm believing for, for this church, that the word resiliency, that right now the struggle that you're going through is only momentary. It's a light and momentary affliction and it's nothing compared to the future glory that's waiting for us. This is just a, a, a short time period. And I really believe God is going to do something in the midst of that. That's why I want to preach out of Job, specifically Job chapter 23. Um, the background of Job is so interesting to me because if you look in chapter 1, I'm just going to do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of Bible background, and then we'll jump into the uh, main text because I feel like uh, I need to give you the backdrop so you can understand where Job is coming from. Job is probably one of the more, like, tragic stories in the Bible. Like, if you were to just pick it up and be like, oh, man. And if you didn't know the end of Job, you'd just be like, oh, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I'm kind of scared that, like, this Bible might be true. Whenever you're going through a hard time, like, tread cautiously with the book of Job, okay? Because it might even, it might discourage you more. But in chapter 1, we, it's so interesting because it has this backdrop of this man named Job. And God calls him blameless. God calls him someone that does no evil. And then there's this interesting conversation that God has between the accuser, which in the, in the word is Satan. Uh, some people, most scholars would kind of agree that it's the devil, but Others might just say that's just a title that was given at that time. But um, 
Satan comes to God and says, I've been roaming around looking, looking and looking and looking. And who knows what he was looking for? Probably looking to see all the sin that's in the world, all the wrong that's in the world. And then God points the attention towards Satan, towards Job, and said, look at my servant Job. Look at my servant Job. He does no wrong. He does no evil. And then Satan comes back to him and says, he only does no wrong because he is blessed. If you take those blessings away, surely he will curse you to your face. And this is this conversation that's happening between God and Satan. And then God, God allows for Satan to go and to torment Job. And this is where things could take a turn for the worse because Job in the beginning, he's a very prosperous man. He has a wife. He has children. He has property. He has land. He has livestock. He has um, health. All these things are positives in his life. And then one by one, he starts losing every single one of them. He starts losing his health. He loses his children. He loses his property, his livestock, and his wife is like, what are you still praising God for? He, she quite literally says, curse God and die. Like, <laughs> from your wife, curse God and die. And you're like lost everything already. That's like getting like, you're like already down on the ground and someone just kicks you in the stomach. That's to the degree that Job was at. He has boils all over his body. He lost his health. He lost everything. And then to make matters worse, Job has some friends who come up to him. And, and they're trying to be good friends. You ever have that friend that you think is trying to be like a good friend to you, but they just make you feel worse? You know what I'm talking about? Like they just come up to you and they're just like, hey, man, just feel better. Like just just. You know, pray, pray your way out of it. You should fast more, bro. You know, like, it's like stuff like that. Like when you're going through a hard time, those are things that you don't want to hear. But then his friends come up to him and says, maybe you've sinned. That's why you're going through all this. And he's just going through all this unexplained suffering. He doesn't know this conversation that happened between Satan and God. And that's kind of the backdrop that we get here. So Job is navigating this throughout his whole time. In this, in this whole life, he's, he lost everything, and then he's wrestling in his heart with God, wrestling in his heart with God. I believe that this past year, from March to March, there have been times where the circumstances have really affected the way that we see God, if we were to be honest with ourselves. COVID's not getting better. We have racial tensions. We have an election we have all these things that are happening. There's riots happening. This, this all happening within the span of a March to March time frame. And that's a lot for us to process. And, it's, and it could be that we, we might even question ourselves and be like, man, God, I don't know what's happening. What's going on? And I need some answers. And this is the thing that I want to say before I jump into my points is this. The book of Job. The question that a lot of people could ask about the book of Job is, why do people suffer? And this book actually does no, it, does, it doesn't do anything to answer that question. All it says is that you can trust God because God knows better. For the believer, 
That's everything to know I can trust God. I just gave away the last point of my message. And that's supposed to be like the impact one where you're like, wow, amen, you know. But like it's already, so spoiler alert, okay. You can trust God. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So that's what we're going to be doing. That's what we're going to be digging into. So um, the question that I really want to pose today is what can we learn about the Christian walk when we look at the life and this specifically chapter 23 of Job? So my first point is this. Um, when we look, what we can learn about the Christian walk is that there are moments where God feels very far away. There are moments where God feels far away. Let's look at Job 23, verses 1. And this is Job. He says this, okay. I'm just going to read verse 1. It says, my complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud. I think there's a different version that's happening um, uh, up on the screen. But, that, but then Job basically here is saying, my complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud. I might be reading out of the NLT version. That's why it might be very different. But then um, he says here, my complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud. This is Job waking up the next day. And he still has this like, this like bitterness in his heart that he's wrestling with. And like when I thought about that and I'm thinking about all of us today is that we probably have all had moments where we woke up in the morning and thought, like, here we go again. Where we woke up in the morning and thought, man, I'm so discouraged. And, you know, like there's this verse in Lamentations chapter 3 where it says uh, his mercies are new every morning. And like, there, are, there are mornings I wake up and I don't believe that that's true. I'm like, your mercies are new, like yesterday, but I need a new mercy today. Like, and I'm discouraged right now, God. I need help. And like, that's what, that's what, that's what Job, Job here describes something that's so real. He says he wakes up and he says, my complaint today is still bitter. I'm still bitter, God. And he feels this distance from God. And I already shared this, but this season in particular for me has been similar to what Job has felt here. There are mornings that I wake up and I'm thinking to myself, God, why are we still in this? Why are we still struggling through this? And that's the thing that I find to be so interesting to me, so uh, fascinating to me because I'm realizing that I think people are surprised that of how much they used to depend upon the Sunday service to get their fix, to get their relationship with God in order. If you guys don't remember, in the beginning of this pandemic, there was huge optimism that this would be the greatest year of spirituality ever. I don't know if you guys remember that. Like in Facebook, it was all over. Social media, people were saying that now that you got all this time, you better pray. You better read like you never read before. Pray like you never prayed before. Fasted like you fasted like never fasted before. And then in the beginning, it was great. Even if you look at church statistics, Live stream numbers were blowing up. Like, like churches that like only had like 100 members, they're getting like thousands and thousands of views. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we're a mega church now. <laughs> we got all this new resources. <laughs> we got all this. We, we got 1,000% growth overnight. And they started like, you know, they started thinking like, oh, this is great. You know, maybe we should do a church like this forever. <laughs> and then as the months go on, the numbers slowly start decreasing. 
You know, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but for me, I'll tell you when I thought the pandemic was going to end. I thought COVID was going to end at Easter. I was like, God's going God's to take care of it. He's gonna, he is risen and he also killed COVID. That's what I thought. And then Easter came around and I was like, all right, fine, God. I'll give you a little bit more time. I'll give you to the summer. And then the summer comes and it gets worse. <laughs> I'm like, God, what are you doing? And then it fall, and September comes. I'm like, God, you got this. It's over. And then now I don't even say anything anymore. <laughs> even though the vaccines are out, I'm like, I'm like, oh, let's be cautious. Let's be careful. We don't know yet. Okay, we're not too sure. But you see, this is the idea is that because there's all this optimism in the beginning, this fatigue settled into our hearts where I think people stopped tuning into live stream services. People stopped going into like thousands of Zoom calls, Zoom small group, Zoom this, Zoom that, and they're like, no, I'm good. And you see, this feeling of, of feeling far away from God is something that became very new to me in this past season. Where in this worship set, tonight's worship set, I felt so, like what Tim, what Tim said, when I walked into this room, I felt the presence of God right away. And I was like, I just want to be in this room. And I just want to worship. But when you don't have that feeling, when you know what that feeling feels like and you feel far away from it, that is such a painful feeling to feel distant from God. This is the description of what Job is going through. You know, when you're in the thick of hardship, when you're in the thick of suffering, it can be hard to have that resiliency in your heart. If you look closer at what Job said in verse 3, he says, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. In another version, in the NLT version, it says, if only I knew where to find God, I will go to his court. There's the desperation that's coming out of Job saying, if I knew where exactly to find God, I'll be there. I'll go there because I need some answers. He's, he said, I'll go to his courts so I can, I can plead my case before God. Like some of us, we've had that season where we'll say, God, if you will just speak, like audible voice, if you just told me right now to do this, God, I will obey it. I just need to hear your voice. There are times where God feels far away, where every direction you look, you can't seem to find God. And this is what Job goes through. In verse 8, he says this. He says, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, we, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. In another version, it says, I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. We might be going through that in this season where in every direction that we look to, we can't seem to find God. You try to go to your old rhythms and routines. You try to go to your friends. You try to go to your pastor. You try to go um, to your church. You try to figure out all these different directions. You're looking everywhere and you can't find them. And I'm telling you that, and I'm here not to say like to discourage you. To say that like, oh, you shouldn't be in that place. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone in that place. 
that if you feel that way, there's probably chances are, especially during this pandemic and this COVID season, I don't want to keep like bringing that up, but that's probably the number one factor that everyone's going through this. But at the same time, I just want you to know that you're not alone in feeling that. That if you feel like God is far away, I'm here to tell you that God is ready to draw near to you. That I'm here to tell you that you're not alone in this, that you don't have to fight your way by yourself. I'm encouraging you to look beyond your theology because for me, my theology, I think is pretty sound. I hope it's pretty sound. I was joking with Paul earlier today. Like I was like, hey, man, if I say something wrong, just talk to me afterwards. But he's like, no, I'm pretty sure your theology is good. I'm like, I hope so. But then my theology is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And God draws near to the brokenhearted. But then I know that in my head, but it's a different thing to believe it in my heart. It's a different feeling to know. You can know it in here, but it's got to hit here. If it doesn't hit your heart, what good is head knowledge if it doesn't change your heart? That's the thing for me is that I want to encourage all of us tonight to go further beyond our head knowledge and go heart knowledge and say, God, I feel far away from you. And admit that. Just be honest with that and just say, but I want to draw near to you today. And this is what's even more encouraging. What we have to understand is this. There is an encouragement in this passage to know if you can't find God, you can't see God. And this is my point number two, is that God knows where you're at and where you're going. And I think that's super encouraging. God, you can't see God, but God sees you. And I think for me, that makes me feel like so loved to just know that somebody, like God notices that I'm there. That your struggle, your tears, your discouragement, your depression, your anxiety, God sees all of that. Job 23, verse 10, it says this. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. This is, what, this is what Job says after he says, I can't see him anywhere. But he says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Now, the difficult part about this passage, for me, um, I, used to, I used to go to a church um, pretty close by here uh, called Thanksgiving Church. I used to be a youth pastor there. And then every New Year service, we would get um, a verse of the year. And then this year was so interesting is um, now that I'm at a church plant, but then my friends would send me uh, like a, the way that the Korean church was doing it is that there was this app or there's this like website you could go to and then you could get your verse by clicking a button. And then when I did it, I didn't like the verse I got, so I kept pressing it until I got a verse I really liked. But then why I liked back then with TKC is that um, the, the deacons would be holding the offering basket and inside the offering basket was verses. And I felt like, um, I'm not like superstitious because I'm Christian, but like um, when I put my hand in, I was like secretly wishing for a really good verse. I was like, I was like, please God, please God, give me a good verse, you know. And I picked out a verse one year, and it was like two, three years ago, and I got this verse, Job 23.10. I looked at Job, and I was like, oh, 
oh no, Job. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be a hard year. And then I see it. And then I, and I read it. And then I ignore everything except the ending where it says, and you shall, and I shall come out as gold. And I was like, whoo, baby. I was like, that's a good verse. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm going to ignore everything, but I'm going to exceed that I shall come out as gold. I was like, all right, that's my verse of the year. That year actually ended up being one of the most difficult years of my life, not knowing that the beginning part of the verse is God saying, or Job saying that God knows where I'm going. And then the key part in here is that when he has tried me, when he has tested me, well, see, when the testing comes, that's only that, only then is when you can become like gold. You need the testing in order to get on the other side to be gold. You can't just be gold from the get-go. You have to go through a, a period where God is really testing and purifying the motives of your heart, purifying your heart. So this is why it's encouraging for me to share with you guys tonight is that even though you can't see God, God sees you. God knows where you're going, and God, surely God is faithful to test you to try you, to get you through this season. And on the other side, you'll be surprised at what you'll look like. For those that don't give up, I'm encouraging you, don't give up in this season. Press in. Just do anything you have to do to get yourself back up and into the game because I really believe that God is doing a new thing. God is separating those who have been really lukewarm for a long time. God is doing something new. He's re-sparking a fire in those people because, you see, this is the thing, is that God is not trying to come out. He's not trying to take you out of suffering. God is trying to get you through the suffering. And I think that's good news because there's one one of the most constant things in this life outside of God's faithfulness is that you will always go through seasons of trials and tribulations. Life will be hard. That's for sure. Take that to the bank. If anyone says anything else, don't believe them, okay? Life will be hard. But you can choose what yoke to take upon yourself. You can take the yoke and the burdens of this world or you could take the yoke and burden of Jesus, which is light and it's easy and he'll get you not only, he won't take the suffering away from you, but he'll get you through the suffering. He will get you through the storms. He will get you through the hardships. I was reminded when Jesus is on the boat with the disciples and the storms were raging and they're like, Jesus, don't you care? And then Jesus responds with, don't you have any faith? And he calms the storm. This is my encouragement, is that God sees you in the fire, but he just doesn't want to take you out of the fire. He wants to show you that he's in the fire with you. If you look back, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they're in, they, they get thrown into the, into the furnace. And then the Bible says that there is an image in there, like a son of God. You see, when we're in the refiner's fire, that's when we can actually become more like God. That's when we can become more like where God wants us to be. He's refining, sharpening, and changing. And that's the thing that I really want to get across here is that God is surely doing something in us. When I look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verse 16 to 17, it says this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. That's a good word. This affliction that you're going through, this hardship that you're going through. You see, many of us this past year, and I'm speaking to myself too, have been on survival mode. We've just been trying to hang on. That's why I feel like the word is resiliency. That when you stay in the battle, you stick it through, I believe breakthrough is just around the corner. And it's easy for people to say that all the time. Breakthroughs around the corner, breakthroughs around the corner. But I'm believing that God is maturing a lot of our faith and not having it just depend on what a pastor speaks on Sunday. But it's what God does Monday through Saturday that you need to understand and capture is that God wants to shape you and form you in those days. And whatever the pastor or preacher speaks is supplemental to what God has been doing all throughout your week. What if we were to change the way that we think to mature our understanding of how God is? Because for me, man, I didn't realize how much it took one worship session. Because for me, I feel like I'm like typically it's easy for me to get blessed. If, if it's just like the song's right, the, like, you know, Isaac King's leading worship, it's easy for me to get blessed. Tim King's leading worship, oh, it's easy for me to get blessed. But the real question is, how can I stay in that blessed state and continue on forward, especially when things get hard? This is what I'm encouraging with us today. And this is the last point that I want to share with us tonight. Is that, so what does this all mean? What does this all culminate? If God sees us, what does this mean for our relationship with God? And this is why I shared at the beginning of the message. This means that we can fully, wholeheartedly, put our whole weight on in our trust in God. We can trust in God. Job, at the end, he says this, but he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desired that he does, for he will com complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are all in his mind. This is Job 23, verse 14 to 15, towards the end. You see, this is this turning around. You see, Job, he has this like, this like, this, this war that he's waging within his heart where he's like, I'm discouraged, I'm bitter, I'm complaining, but I can still trust God. Because God, at the end of the day, he knows where I'm going. He knows what I'm going through. Even at the, towards the end where Job really turns around is that Job is complaining to God. He's pleading his case before God. And then God responds to him with the most gangster phrase that you'll ever hear. God responds to him and says, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? When I, drew, when I laid out the dimensions of this world? Were you there? And he starts just going off on Job. And Job's like, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Basically, he just says, God, I'm sorry. And he turns. And, that, and that's the thing that we have to also realize is that God really is in control. We can trust him because he's powerful. Yes, yes and amen to that. But most of all, we can trust him because he loves us. 
We can trust him because he loves us. When you love somebody, you also trust them deeply. I believe love and trust are always attached together. When that trust is broken, that love, it's hard for that love to exist there. And I'm believing that tonight God really wants us to lean upon him, to put our weight upon him, and to really trust him like we've never trusted him before. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 to 6, it says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He poured his love on us while we were weak. I always say this, God did not find you at your best. God found you when you were least desirable, when you were stuck in your sin, when you were stuck in your darkness. That's when God found you. He brought us up out of darkness into marvelous light. But we have this understanding in the church is that we have to come before God perfect, unblemished, spotless. But I don't know when we decide to change it. When do we decide to change the rules? God wants us as we are in our weakness. He wants us in our brokenness. He wants us in our hurt. God is not afraid of your brokenness, your hurt, your suffering, or your pain. He actually wants to draw near to you in that moment. And that's been such a hard thing for me to realize is that it's been easier for me to avoid God than to draw near to God. And that breaks my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this. This is Paul. This is uh, uh, Jesus talking to Paul. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why can we trust in God? I believe I'm laying out the case tonight is that God is not looking for you to be super strong. God's not looking for you to have it all together. God is looking for you to just be honest with him, to come to him with your, your, your suffering, your hardship. If this past year, if this past season has been difficult for you, perfect. That's the right time to give it to God. That's the time to find comfort, to seek refuge in the Lord. And if I could actually invite the praise team, I want to I conclude um, and lead us into a time of prayer. I'll be tag teaming with my brother Tim. Not my actual brother, my brother in Christ, Tim. And, um, and for me, it's just a joy to be able to tag team ministry with my friend. Like, it's like a dream. Like, I'm really thankful that I get to do that tonight. Um, because we really share a same heart. But this is what I want to uh, kind of open the table with tonight. And this is how I want us to. The great news about Job is that Job got back at the end of the book of Job, he gets back everything and then some. 
Everything is doubled in number. And I think that it's easy to see that and just think like, oh, man, that's great. I, wanna, I want God to, everything that I lost, God, I want you to double it. But I think more than that, I think that there's nothing sweeter and nothing more precious than the presence of God. And I think that's the thing that really brought it home for Job. And I want to share this with you guys. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a leaders meeting for our church plant. And um, we were masked and we had, we're social distanced and everything. And um, it, was a good, it was a really great, great time. Uh, my brother Danny, like, hopped on the piano and he was, like, leading us into worship. And it was really powerful. And I remember I had this moment because... Um, if I were to be extra vulnerable and transparent with you guys tonight, this past season, I've actually felt feelings of humiliation, feelings of shame, feelings of, like, comparison, like, crazy. Like, um, I don't know if you guys know, but, like, Instagram is just, like, watching everyone's highlight reels where everyone's doing good. You're like, dang, people getting engaged, getting babies. Like, I'm like, like, they look like they're, like, having revival in their room every night. They're, like, leading worship. And I'm here, like, struggling till I get up in the morning. And then I remember I had this moment with God. When things, when you feel far away from God for a long time and you get one, just like, you just feel close to him for like 30 seconds. You're like, wow, God, I don't want this to ever stop. That's how I felt that night. And I'm wearing a mask, and my mask is being filled with tears. And it was gross. It was disgusting. But I didn't want it to stop. I could not stop crying. And it wasn't because I was emotional, but it was because I felt God speaking to me, saying, and reminding me, I'm your refuge. I'm your shield. I'm your comfort. I'm your strength. And I even felt in my time of prayer that night, I remember just praying to God, saying, God, if I don't have anything in this life, I don't have anything in this life if I don't have you. And I think tonight, if we can just zone in and zero in on that and just say, God, I just want you. That's the key, the solution for our suffering, our hardship, our discouragement. It's not that you got to do anything. It's just that, God, I want you. I want you to be my refuge. And then when you let God take over, something begins to happen. Some of us, we hold on to our hearts so tightly. We grip on it so hard that God cannot do anything. Tonight, just let it go and let God just pour out his love on you tonight as he ministers to you and just gives you a fresh wind and a fresh fire in your hearts because I believe that God is beginning to turn the corner on the church right now. God is beginning to do a new thing in the believers of right now that he wants to not just awaken them, but he wants to invite them into a relationship with him that's deeper than he's ever taken you before. A deeper relationship takes maturity. It takes a different level of depth. And that's what I want to invite us into tonight.